Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. It's episode 46 this week and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your host and this week I am joined by an immensely talented British actor who has been on our screens for nearly a decade. Please welcome to the podcast the star of Bad Education and Afterlife, Ethan Lawrence. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to chat with you, actually. I'll tell you what, though. You, you saying been on our screens for nearly a decade. I really felt my age just then. No, it's like it, it's a mark of accomplishment. I saw my life pass before my eyes. <laughs> How old are you? You're only like 28, uh, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm 28. Uh, yeah, but, um, birthday's in September, Come so on. 30 next year. It's all creeping up. Age. Come on. Like, there's people <laughs> out there that, like, I feel the pain when I turn 23 and that. <laughs> yeah, once you go past 25, every birthday's a death sentence. I, I cried when um, I left my teenage years. Like, I, the moment I turned 20, I was like, oh, this isn't fun. <laughs> Nope, it never is. <laughs> um, so how's life? I, I know you just got um, your second vaccine, so welcome to the club. I'm double vaxxed too. How are you feeling? I'm very happy to be part of the club. Um, yeah, I got it two days ago as of as of recording. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I'm actually, I'm fine. Like the pain in my arm's gone. I didn't have any side effects. Didn't have any with the first one either. So have you been anywhere where the government could now track you? Anywhere interesting? Like... Uh, since I got the vaccine? Yeah. Uh, no. Mm. Um I went to visit uh, a couple of friends, uh, one of which is also double vaxxed because we have a little Dungeons and Dragons group. Oh, so Bill Gates uh, is watching you play Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. Uh, and you know no, what? He's welcome to because we're we're great storytellers. So I, I saw um I saw a video the other day. It was a TikTok, and it was this woman saying, "I don't understand these people that won't get the vaccine because they think they're getting tracked." But to be honest, I, actually, it was Jenny Godley. I retweeted it on Twitter. That's where it was, and she was like, um. I'm not that interested in what you're posting on Facebook, Margaret. So I highly doubt the government is interested in where you're going. Oh, no. I mean, you can't, you can feasibly track everyone, but why, why would you? I Most mean, people are very, very boring. I mean, we all walk around with smartphones in our pockets. Like, we're all getting well, tracked this is the anyway. Thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, this is the thing. People complaining about being tracked by the vaccine and they're tweeting about it from yeah. their smartphone <laughs> with, location, <laughs> with location turned on. Um, of course nah, I didn't know how to turn it off I think it's so stupid and like thank fuck none of my family are anti-vaxxers or anything oh same here same here I'm really grateful for that like my elderly grandparents got it and I would always joke and I'd be like oh you can't go anywhere dodgy now they're watching you <laughs> and we'd, we'd have a laugh and a joke about it but um like I don't really want to push an agenda, but if you want to get vaccinated, go and get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't tell anyone else what the fuck to do. But what I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role? Uh, I was thinking about this. And so in primary school, um, my my mum is a vociferous reader, like reader of books. So I was brought up around books What's and reading. What's your favourite book? Time. I mean, I'm just going to branch off this. Oh, massive reader. God, I mean, that's a that's a question and a half. I mean, my favourite sort of book series of all time would be Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Yeah. Uh, that they've, they've always been around. But yeah, so I was brought up around books and like, you know, 
uh, learned to read quite early. So I was a good reader, which meant that in primary school with the nativity plays and everything like that, I was nature's narrator. <laughs> yeah, standing at the side of the stage with a script propped up on one of the old um, one of the old songbook things. Uh, well, I love the other story. The other more talented actors in the group got to go do some cool stuff on the stage. But yeah, so the nativity narrator, and then. Do you remember sort of a point where you were like, oh, this could actually be my career? Well, that didn't really come in, that didn't really kick in until um, the beginning of secondary school when like uh, drama became like, you know, a subject that you could learn. Yeah. And I caught, I caught the bug there. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of weird that we're having this conversation now because there's been kind of a full circle moment in my life, um, sort of in, in, in actuality. Because um, once I started doing like, you know, little shows there, like we did some kind of bizarre reinterpretation of Snow White in which I played a kind of scientist or something. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, but, um, There's loads of weird things like that that you do. And it, like, I look back on some of my primary school shows and they're highly problematic and we wouldn't be allowed to do them anymore. And Oh, super, yeah. Like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I did all that. And then I, um, I joined a, like, a local sort of stage school thing. Um, called Stage Ability, which is attached to a uh, like a amateur musical theatre group called the Essex Group. Yeah, and um, uh, weirdly enough, um, a few weeks ago, the guy who founded it and essentially the guy who taught me how to act actually um, passed away. Oh, I'm very uh, sorry. Unfortunately, um, in fact, just the um, just this Sunday gone, they did a like a little um, sort of musical review show uh, in his memory, um, oh, which was. Lovely lovely to go to and it was that was actually my first experience back at a theatre and <laughs> since all this started yeah um I still haven't managed to get back to the theatre hoping to go to the fringe at some point I'm just well yeah that's my life up, together. the fringe has started um the problem with me at the fringe at the moment is I went to uni in Edinburgh so I have massive trauma issues with that city like Fair. it's quite <laughs> It's quite like funny to tell a therapist that one of your main trigger points is Edinburgh. Just the concept so, of Edinburgh itself. I just like I didn't have a good time at uni, all that jazz. Um, so I don't know if I want to go back. And then, but then all of my friends are performing at the fringe in uni shows. So then I'm like, I don't want to go to any of them because I don't want to bump into any of the lecturers. And then like, because I'm going back to drama school and I've done a lot of work like to build myself back up to it. I don't want to bump sure. into anyone and then like just knock myself down a couple of pegs again. But um, I've, I've got an audition. I got my first audi- in-person audition for a show out with COVID today and it's next week, the audition. So we're getting Fantastic. slightly back to normal. Slight, it's just we're getting there. We're getting role. there. It's just to fill in a role on one night or something, but it's one of my friend's shows. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And don't worry. And she's like, audition, please. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Like, cool. Um, so you'll be paying to come on my podcast then. <laughs> um, but then talking about like moving more seriously into the arts, you went to uni at the Royal Holloway University of London and you did drama and creative writing. What is your favorite drama school story? Because we all know what goes on behind them doors and it is crazy as fuck. And these are my favorite things to listen to, honestly. Uh, well, so it's kind of interesting. So I am. Um, so after spending all my teens doing musical theatre, I thought I was. I thought I was the the don. You know, going into this, I was like, yeah, you know, I dedicated every waking moment to acting. I know what I'm doing. Uh, so I auditioned for um, a number of like um, the more prestigious um, 
drama schools. Uh, we got uh, went to Central, went to Drama Center, went to Guildhall and all that. Got nowhere with it. Uh, but my grades were good, so I ended up going to um, Royal Holloway to study drama and creative writing. But that ended up being like almost entirely like theoretical base. Yeah, like it was more about the the theory of drama and, and everything like that. So in terms that. of sort of like you know the classic uh, drama school memories of like a horrible movement class <laughs> or something like yeah. that, it was instead it was you know talking about the um, you know racial and feminist implications of Othello for three hours. <laughs> Um, which is you know that. it's all very interesting but it, it sort of wasn't what I was aiming for yeah uh, so a lot of my um like good memories of like acting and stuff and like you know being involved in the theatre there was extracurricular so I joined the drama society which had attached to it an improv comedy troupe uh so like I was doing like improv like every week um and eventually in my third year I ended up becoming the the president of that little society see I I like can't I can do improv but I can't do comedic improv I'm not funny I'm funny in a way that I don't mean to be like people laugh at me because I'm an idiot that's that's just as valid though like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, as long as you're getting um, a laugh <laughs> but what would you say was the biggest lesson that you learned like around that time like because I know it wasn't like it was theoretical now well now I know that but the biggest lesson that you learned throughout that time, whether it be in class, amateur um, societies, amateur dramatics, whatever it was. I think, to be honest with you, it was because because of the theoretical nature of it and also because we were putting a lot of our own free time into stuff that we were doing. Like, you know, I wrote shows, I directed shows, we took shows to festivals, we like we did all sorts of stuff. I sort of learned the kind of opposite lesson that you might get from something like um, Central or Drama Centre, where I view, started to view acting less as a craft and more of like a graft. Yeah. Like, you know, it was more it was more work than it was sort of like a kind of artistic skill. Mm. And I think that put me in good stead because weirdly enough, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this. Um, I secured the role as Joe in Bad Education in the second term of my first year. Yeah. At university. Yeah. We'll uh, so come on to that in a second. Don't don't ruin it. <laughs> um, but there's, but there's, it, it, it's it's in, it's intrinsically linked, though, because yeah, like 100%. my entire experience with Bad Education was also my entire experience at university. Yeah. Like I was doing both of them at the same time and they both basically ended at the same time. So you were living the good life with the student loan and a paid salary from BBC Three. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was technically both a professional actor and also a waif and a stray. You know? reason, the student loans are the only reason I'm going back to drama school. I can't wait. <laughs> Their regular it, income. <laughs> it's my bank account next Monday. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I realised I stumbled on that question because I, I thought of something that I wanted to tell you and then I forgot and I was trying to think of it. You were talking about like getting nowhere with drama schools and like prestigious yeah. ones. Do you want me to make you feel slightly better? Go for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dying for so it. So I auditioned for the Conservatoire in Glasgow, which is like third best acting school in the world or something. It's, a, days, it, it's reputation precedes itself. Three days before my 21st birthday. So I went in and I was talking to them and they were like, oh, it's your birthday in a couple of days. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'm 21. And at the end she said, right, thank you so much for coming in. We'll see you soon. So me being the arrogant cocky cunt that I am, I'm running about <laughs> saying, she said, see you soon. I'm getting a callback for this. We all know what that means. Yeah, I was like, I'm getting a callback. She said, see you soon. I got rejected on my 21st birthday. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Um, but this is one of my favourite questions that I always love to ask people. 
if you were booked to do a one month run in the West End in a two person show and with no financial restraints could pick anyone to be your co-star, who would you pick? Michael Shane. He's a popular one. A lot of it's, it's just him. I just feel like he's he, I mean, you see him like act with with others and he just seems like such a giving. Yeah. Like, performer like and I, I reckon we could have a laugh like something something funny like, you know, um, for, or even something second, kind I of sort of. You were going to say Jack Whitehall, and I was going to be like, well, you've already done one for him. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> you take that one off the list. Already done. <laughs> Budget be damned. But no, like, you know, put, put me and Michael Sheen in Pinter's Dumbwaiter and see what happens. Well, like, who knows? Because um, I can't say who it is for, like, legal reasons or anything, but I had somebody on the podcast about a month ago. And the episode still hasn't aired, so it might not even make it to air. Um, but they te- they I asked them this question, and they said whoever they said, and then texted me three weeks later and was like, "Hey, funny story. I've just booked a job with." Blank. No way. And I was like, "Oh, congratulations! Um, do I get a ten percent cut for like manifesting?" <laughs> I manifested it. I, I, was like, I, I deserve 5%. I was like, I helped. No, 10%. We, we want a bit more than five. Um, <laughs> so yeah. But like my, my problem with it is mine changes every week. And it's always somebody. Well, I mean, it doesn't really. But it's just like Catherine Tate would make me look like a piece of shit on stage. But it's who I'd have to pick. I mean, there's, there's nothing. I mean, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know about that. Because again, she's another one I feel that gives a lot. Like she'd give you the space to but I feel like she could do the bare minimum and I could be giving a hundred percent and she would still look flawless. And I would still look like I was trying too hard. Yeah. I wonder sometimes, do you think Catherine Tate sometimes has imposter syndrome in that way? I would argue that everyone has imposter syndrome that works in this industry. Cause we've all, we've all blagged our way into something. So there's something that's always get like, I blagged my way into uni. Like, I used a teleprompter on my uni audition video. Hello, this is Editing Ingram. I just wanted to quickly come on and mention that this was not for my current university course. This was for the university course that I dropped out of, just in case anyone important is listening, did not use a teleprompter on my new College Lanarkshire video. Oh, everyone loves a teleprompter. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But it always just, in the back of my head, I was like, "Um, well, you didn't really do your audition properly, so you shouldn't be here. So then whatever success that you get after this, you have totally fluked. So I think everyone sort of blags their way into some some part of their career that whether they've met someone during that experience or got something from it, that then they're like, "Um, well, I sort of cheated. Well, I mean, I mean, my big one is that I have no formal training. Like that's that's tends to be my feeling. Like I I've never trained in acting. Like everything I've learned has been through like experience of musical theatre in my teens. And then I would being say that's formal the... training. Like working is on the job. Like... I mean, you look at some amazing actors out there. Like one of my favorite actresses, Carrie Hope Fletcher, has not got any, and she's like a London West End leading lady for sure. Yeah, and she never went to. I don't think. I think the only reason actors, I've said this before, and it might be controversial, there's two reasons actors go to drama school. One, for the student loan, and number two, for a backup <laughs> of maybe wanting to teach if acting doesn't work, because you need a 2 hey, maybe. Like, I don't think, I think it's, maybe now it's a bit more important because it's harder to get an agent and you can sort of get those connections through uni and things. But I don't think it's massively important to like have a maybe i mean it's, it's for me it's sort of difficult to say because i never went through that that rigor like you know that sort of that process 
I sort of view it with an air of almost distrust, you know? <laughs> I, I, I struggle with the concept of it a lot because I don't like, like I, I know that this is going to sound wanky and I've said it before, but call it, I'm just going to, for the sake of this, call acting an art and my art. For sure. um, I don't agree with the fact that my art has to tick boxes for it to be graded good. No, that's, that's absolutely fair. And I agree I, with that. Because I'm like, okay, so maybe the two people that are judging this and marking it might not see the good points of like my performance. But if you show everyone in the world it, there's going to be at least three or four people <laughs> that are going to like my performance. And I, I mean, just, it's 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 I similar to what it. like it's, it's similar to what like the the actual like you know proper business of show. Like I've um, most of the things I've been, I think probably ninety percent of the things that I've um, worked on in this industry professionally has got middling to poor reviews. But it doesn't matter because like the critics might not like it, but like they're clearly popular and they do well. Did bad education get bad reviews? Uh, sort of middling at the time. That's weird because that was. But really that's the good. But I think a lot. I think a lot of that comes from a kind of and like you know. Obviously, I love critics, and they should always give me five stars because I love them, and I, yeah. they're so great. And I love critics; they're just the best people. And I would make them dinner. And but, but <laughs> the thing was, because bad education was like you know on a digital channel, I think there was a bit of snobbishness, yeah, around it. And like you know, they would send in like you know middle-aged white male critics to review something that was for eighteen to twenty-five year olds. Um, just like. The snobbishness around digital, I don't understand now because look at Netflix, look at YouTube. Like, there's better stuff being produced for online content than there is for actual traditional television. I mean, streaming gets like streaming films get nominated for Oscars now. Like, yeah. you know, and this was only in 2012. Yeah, we're, like, we're you know, not in 2012, going that far like, back. Know, yeah, like you know, it's not. It's the, the the radical change is remarkable, really, because now now it's all true art. Yeah, no, it, it, sometimes it, it sort of pisses me off the sort of the the boxes you have to fit in and i think that can be really dangerous for young actors in uni who are finding their groove because like i said i spoke about it on the podcast before and um i i was just a guest on somebody else's podcast talking about it so all in the links below it it really <laughs> damaged my mental health and i left uni never wanting to act ever again and i was like right time to go and get a degree in like accounting or something like <laughs> even though i can't do maths um but yeah, like I really, it, it was really damaging and I had to do a lot of work to sort of get myself back into a place where I wanted to sort of re-enter the industry because I, I, I came out of uni and I was like, well, I had three years at college, six months at drama school. I got to play my dream Shakespeare role, which was Macbeth. I got some good parts in other productions. Like I've had a fun time, like, but this is going to be it for me in that regards. And I'll just have to tell people years ago, I was an actor. Um, and I think that that just sort of that qualification and grading method could, couldn't be potentially very harmful for people that are like experienced actors can probably like, if you get a one star review now, yeah, it's going to, it's going to sting like a motherfucker, but you're not going to sort of end your career over it. Are you? Well, no. I mean, I, I'm sort of coming at coming at that point as sort of like a kind of parallel. Like thinking about my university experience now, everything I actually learned about acting, I learned not on the courses that I took, but in the extracurricular. Yeah. Like you know, I learned how to put a show together that way. I learned how to I, I learned how to do improv and stand up comedy that way. Uh huh. And I wonder if I hadn't got involved in those things at that time, if I would have 
uh, but then it's 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 hard to say because again, as I'm as I'm Hind- sure we'll get onto hindsight is <laughs> the that's it. But like again, I was working professionally very early, so it's all who knows. Like it, so many different sort of like points of decision making that could have broken off either way. It's yeah, it's it's mad to think about. I mean, it's all luck really. At the end of yeah. the day, I've often I often say that on my TikTok. You know, I'm trying to sort of. So because you got bad education in your first year of uni, was there ever a point where you were sort of like, do I need uni? Like, I'm working professionally now. Should I just, like, focus everything on working professionally? It did cross my mind. And it crossed my mind especially when um, it turns out that the the shooting schedule that I had meant that I would have to miss an exam. I love that. Uh, and I had, I had this conversation with, um, uh, with my uh, head of department at the time. And I was like, look, like we can move it, right? Like, you know, we have extensions for these sorts of things all the time. Like it shouldn't be a problem. Um, But they were adamant that I either don't do professional acting work or fail this module. I mean, fortunately it was first year, so it didn't actually count per se. And I was able to drag my grades up elsewhere to continue, but it did make me think. But then I was making friends at uni. And like like I said to you earlier, like the you know, the academic side, while interesting, and I did learn a lot, you know, the 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 culture and the life there and the stuff that I was creating with my friends, I was far more interested in. I didn't want to lose that. Yeah. No. So while I have a very expensive certificate on my wall, which isn't worth a shit, <laughs> um, like the actual, like the memories that I forged and the stuff that I learned, that's invaluable. And I wouldn't have given it up for the world. Why are they going to stop you from working professionally when that's what you're training to do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it still bugs me to this day when I think about it, because I was like, like you say, I was in my mind. I was like, this is the goal, surely. Yeah, like, I'm like doing you're what trying to create to industry do. professionals, no? Yeah. <laughs> like, surely you want to say like, oh, I've got a, we've got students that are on BBC Three and all that jazz. Like, it just irritates me to like the nth extent. I'll oh. tell you what, Ingram, they they. They've got my name on their website. Let me tell you that for nothing. Oh, see, I would phone them oh, now. Yeah. Like, I'm that petty. I would phone them and say, take it off. Ah, nah, it's all right. I don't mind. I'm I like having pe- my name on things. I'm just a petty <laughs> bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> Drama schools do better. Um, let's let's talk about bad education. What okay. was what was the audition process like for that? Uh, Sue, um, in reference to what I was talking about earlier with the, um, the amateur musical theatre stuff yeah. that I was doing in my teens in Essex group and stage ability and all that, they'd set up kind of like a sort of like a cottage uh, agency sort of thing. Like, you know, kind of like a tiny sort of semi-professional yeah. outfit. And um, like, you know, I'd cobbled money together to get myself on uh, Spotlight, um, which for those who don't know, is a casting website where you put your details and everything like that. Which again, is so fucking difficult to get on. Like I can't get on it at the moment. Really? I've got the money sitting there, but I don't have three professional credits. I don't have an agent and I dropped out of my um, my degree. So I can't even get a student well, this, profile. This is interesting then because I, I I don't know if it was just because the rules were different back then, because this would have been what, 2010, 2011? Yeah. Um, I don't know if the rules were different then, but there wasn't such a high barrier to entry at the time. Oh, to get on Spotlight now, you either have an agent, like you need to either have an agent, three professional credits, or a degree from an accredited Spotlight school. But without Spotlight, you can't oh, get an on. agent. And without an agent, you can't get three professional credits. Yeah, that's <laughs> that sounds like the industry. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's so fun, like, trying to break into it, like, as a young person now. I, I feel really weird calling myself a young person. 
<laughs> well, compared to my old ass. <laughs> There's five years between us. Like, you were barely in primary school when I was born. Calm down. <laughs> but anyway, back to the bad education yeah. story. Um, so, um, so I was on Spotlight. I had this sort of little cottage um, agency thing going on. And out of the blue, I get a call um, from uh, Anne Sullivan, who is um, uh, the wife of um, Gary, who passed away. And she said, oh, um, Ty Grasbeck, I want to speak to you. Um, it's about um, a sitcom that they make him a Jack Whitehall. And I'm like, okay, sure. So uh, Royal Holloway's in Surrey. So I hop on the train, go in, um, meet casting director. And I'm like, okay, right. Do the thing, read the lines, all easy and standard. And I go go back to uni thinking, right, well, that was a fun diversion nothing's going to come of that yeah i get a call saying um jack wants to meet you ben cavey the producer wants to meet you and i'm like okay so i go back do more lines um do some like chemistry read with jack and then two weeks later i'm on my first ever professional tv shoot wondering what the fuck happened (laughs) like it happened so fast um largely because they were really close to shooting and they hadn't found joe yet like you know they'd they'd been through hundreds of people from what i heard and in the end, they decided to take a punt on some complete randomer. And that, that randomer happened to be me. I bet, I bet you're glad they did. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I'm i really bad for like, do you know when you say to your friends, have you watched this TV show yet that's just dropped on Netflix? I'm really bad <laughs> for that, right? So I, in Netflix, have a list of TV shows. Shameless, Big Bang Theory, Bad Education, I think Still Game's on there. And there's another couple. And I cycle through them. Cycle through them. Right. I found a problem with bad education because the episodes are so short and there's only like six in a series or whatever. I leave Netflix to sleep, uh, to play while I sleep. So like I fall asleep to Netflix and I would play bad education episode one and I'd wake up and it had finished like the whole three series. I'm thinking about it. It would be exactly nine and a half hours of content. Exactly. And I sleep for 12 hours. Three six series episodes plus a Christmas special. Yeah. And I sleep for 12 hours. So I haven't watched Bad Education in a while. And I was going through your TikTok the other day. And there was just this random thing. And it was like, um, show me why you're famous or something. I can't remember what the actual. And you just said, Alfie. And I was like, oh, that's like childhood memory unlocked. Even though I only watched it like a year ago. It's so... It's, it's remarkably easy to switch Joe on because all you got to do, moist eyes, <laughs> slight look up, slight raise of your pitch in your voice and just say Alfie and that's it. You're done. Like, <laughs> um, so you go and you film this TV show and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. When it premieres, does life just kick off? Like It was kind of strange. Um, I suspect it might have done had I not been at university. Yeah. Um, because obviously there are long lead times on these things so like we shot it in like february march april mm-hmm. and it didn't like premiere i think until uh, september yeah so i like you know i i compartmentalized it i was like right well that's that was great like you know I, i've done that that will probably never happen again so we'll just take that happy memory and yeah. uh on we go uh and when it landed in september i was barely thinking about it because i just started my second year at university yeah true and so like, it was, it was really the, yeah, odd. The counts. And yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I've got to focus up now. <laughs> but then like by episode two, they'd recommissioned it for a second series. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're good to go on it. Like, and we want you back. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. Okay. Um, and you're like, yeah, can I have more time off? Would it be possible to know what the dates are? So I don't have, <laughs> would it be possible to know what the dates are? Because um, I might have an exam. <laughs> 
but as it happens it didn't uh it didn't uh, it didn't interfere in any way but um it was after that after we shot series two uh, at the after party, I got talking with Jack and his friend Marcus. And Marcus used to work for as a um, assistant for an agent. Yeah. And he put me in contact with um, with Michael Ford at what was then DAA, uh, now Hatch Talent. And suddenly I was represented um, okay. after two series of bad education. And it was, and I was like, this this can't be happening. This isn't real. And then you got your blue tick on Twitter. And so my third year. Oh, that came later. <laughs> but, um, my third year of university was an absolute whirlwind because not only did Bad Education 3 come around, but also I was starting to get in work from other places. That's when I did Trying Again for Sky Living. And all the while, I'm doing all my uni coursework. And in addition to that, I'm president of the Improv Society, putting on eight shows a term. And in addition to that, I decided to direct a musical. That was clever. Oh, so you, um, you really were doing it in uni. Yeah, my 2013-2014, I mean, I am I look back at it now and I am shocked that I made it through it alive. Oh, like, the amount I was doing, I was barely sleeping. Like, you know, I was, uh, it was university, so I was drinking a lot. <laughs> and, like, same. I, I look back at it now and I just think to myself, you, you could have so easily burnt out. Yeah. And I think, in a way, maybe I did, but I, I'm not sure. But like, <laughs> um, I always used to say... Because I was doing quite a lot while I was at uni as well. I, I'm like a bigger boy. Like I'm quite fat and I smoke 20 a day. And I was like, I don't know how I haven't had a heart attack yet. Like with the <laughs> amount of shit that I'm doing. Like, but I, I chain smoke 20 a day and like I eat as much chocolate as I can get my hands on. I was like, how have I not died yet? Like, it's the, it's the invulnerability of youth, I think. <laughs> like you know when you when you when you're 21 and you think to yourself well i'm gonna obviously live forever oh, so <laughs> i couldn't even think like like genuinely i've fucked my sleeping pattern up right now and i, I fell asleep at six o'clock this morning i was like can i just make it through till one o'clock i was like no i need to go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> like i was texting my mom i was gonna be like i'm fucked please wake me up at 11 my mum lives in London. I live in Glasgow. But she's still your alarm. That's she, fair. She phones me and like just nonstop phones me until I wake up. But what I wanted to ask as well is I've experienced this. Did people start coming out the woodwork when you sort of got well-known and people that you didn't like, did they start coming out the woodwork and pretending that they'd been your best friend? It was rare when it happened. That's oh, my favourite thing that happens because I love shutting um, them down. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I have to admit that I, you know, not so much that I was acting like the big I am, but I, I recognised what was happening. Yeah. And I can't deny that I, I, call took people out. Of, I took a bit of perverse pleasure in being like, oh, now you want to talk. Okay. Yeah. It's odd because I would maybe have expected more of that to happen for me. Like, you know, more sort of like woodwork stuff. But then I think to myself, like, I kept my head down at school because I was too busy doing other stuff elsewhere. Yeah. Like, you know, I was focusing on amateur. Whereas I was a busybody and like tried to create drama. So I knew everyone. For sure. But like then all the me. people, all the people that were like, I, you know, I, I was doing this musical theatre stuff with, like they've all gone on to like, it was a really weird clutch of people who went on to like great successes. Yeah. Like, you know, just from this one unit, there's a West End producer there's a West End theatre performer, like there's another TV actor, there's a film actor. Like it was a really weird, like just lightning in a bottle cohort of people. Yeah. And so, you know, we've all got our own careers to focus on, I guess. So we're not 
really into the muckraking of it all. Well, West End producer, if you're ever looking at, for anyone to star in the West End, my contact details <laughs> are below in the show notes. Oh, he, he won't give me a part, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but your friends, your friends. Yeah, like, despite, I, despite I, my I protestations. Know. Well, what's the point of having friends if they don't give you work? <laughs> True. True. Um, do you have a favourite on-set story from Bad Education? Uh, so I always, um, I, I always enjoyed the stunt work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it was a digital channel. They couldn't afford proper insurance, so they just asked it. <laughs> um, so, like, the two big sort of um, stunt memories that I have were one the, I remember diving is board the diving board from Swimming Gala. Yeah. yeah, absolutely that one. Uh, we had a day's training at uh, the Lido in Hammersmith uh, because, because, it had to, because it had to be a bomb. Uh, instead of, of like a dive uh, but I see that's the thing I love heights I love climbing oh, and stuff like I like I just like being around things my legs my knees knock on a ladder <laughs> uh, well you couldn't have done this then <laughs> no I, I I think I'm more scared of hurting myself I have a really low pain tolerance that's fair so like I mean, again is, is, is this much a fear of heights or a fear of just hitting the ground yeah maybe because I can fly I don't mind flying like I'm not a bad flyer or anything but yeah, fucking, I'm not getting on a 10 meter board at a diving center. Never. Fair I enough. Also, I also but can't yeah, swim. So to... <laughs> I really, I really shouldn't get on a diving board. This was not designed for you at no. all. <laughs> I could, I could not have played Joe. But uh, so we had to learn how to um, like bomb in as opposed to dive, and like water, like its surface tension. If you hit it from a certain height, like it's basically as hard as concrete. So what you need to do is like use your feet to like break the surface of the water. So if you actually watch the footage back, you can see that I like very clearly and obviously extend my legs just before <laughs> I hit the ground. <laughs> it's like, yeah, fair enough. It's fine. We got it. It's not, it doesn't matter. The other big stunt one was being set on fire for the movie. Oh yeah. I love that. I love that. I, I, I don't know if I could do that because I'm scared of getting hurt. Was, uh, I was speaking to like the stunt guy, obviously had to like walk me through it and everything like that. And I will never forget this. The very first thing he said to me, and I just thought it's always stuck with me because I just thought it was hysterical. So I've got this thing all like wired up, like, you know, it's attached to a pyro unit. I'm covered in like this inflammable gel and everything like that. And the stunt guy comes up to me and he says, right. The first thing you need to know about being set on fire is that your initial instinct is going to be to panic. Don't do that. Uh, see, that's me. Done. Brilliant. See, don't tell me. To, <laughs> tell me not to do something. What am I going to do? I just love that. Your instinct's going to be to panic. <laughs> Don't. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'll suppress my animal instinct to try and put out fire if I'm on fire. What have you been up to lately? Have, have you been doing any acting work? Are we getting back into anything? Uh, well, so obviously uh, the pandemic wiped all of us out. What pandemic? Um, what, what, what? Oh, there was this, um, I'm not sure if you heard about it. There was this novel coronavirus. Oh, I missed that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, TV and film was wiped out for nine months. Um, Fun, it, it's which is such a great time, and it's especially like you know when you're at the level I'm at, where you you don't really know where your next paycheck is going to be coming from. Like you're living like from paycheck to paycheck as you go. So obviously, this is a problem. Get a student loan. Should have done. Should have done. <laughs> Never, <laughs> too Never too uh, late. Never too late. Instead, I instead I bought a microphone and said, <laughs> "Right, I'm a voiceover guy now." <laughs> so that's, uh, have you been doing a lot of voiceovers it's basically kept me alive uh during uh the pandemic um that's which has been great 
but yeah, so I'm now trying to just scan my brain and be like, have I heard him do anything? Have I heard him? I just I just don't watch a lot. Of TV. Uh, the big one was um, I I dubbed a German Netflix show into English uh, called How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. That it, I've seen that advertised everywhere. I just it's pretty good actually. It. I really liked it. And I felt like as a disconnect from it because, like you know, it's not it's not my face on screen; it's just my voice yeah. burbling over it. I've just got that thing where I just like to watch the same six programs over and over and over again. Expand your library. <laughs> it, it's that thing, like, and it, I'd never realized it. it. I saw a meme, and it was like, "Do you realize that people with anxiety watch the same programs because they know what's going to happen, and there's no shock factor to it?" I mean, like, that's relatable content. That. <laughs> relatable content. Um, but yeah, what I, this is another one of my favorite questions to ask people. What TV show would you want to be a part of that's now finished? So like Friends, uh, I'll use the um, example, forgot that word there. Bad Education, Ugly Betty, Shameless. I would go with Black Books. Uh, Black Books, uh, early uh, Channel 4 sitcom from the early noughties uh, with uh, Dylan Moran, Bill Bailey, Townsend Greig. And I you look at that program it. now and it's the amount of people who went through that show doing bit parts that are now like household names like david williams has one line in it uh yeah. nick frost and simon Pegg play like one episode characters yeah and this is all before stuff. all of that that's like that nascency where like you know space was coming out and edgar wright was on the rise and like it's it was such an exciting time in british comedy yeah and i would have loved to have been there I always say for the money, friends, because they still get like 20 mil an app a year. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> like, for the money, friends. But then I just like the reason that I love acting is I like telling real people's real stories. So, like, I'd love to do like issue based stuff and all that. And I don't know why Shameless will always just have an absolute special place in my heart. And I would, and, and two pints to be fair, either of those I would kill to get on. Like I, I'll, I'll get in a boxing ring. I'll get in a boxing ring and fight for a part on Shameless or two pints if they ever come back. <laughs> I went back through an email thread uh, because um, one of the things that I've done recently, like once everything started getting moving again, the first thing I did, I got my first offer only uh, where I didn't have to audition. That was for Murder They Hope, uh, which is on UK TV Play. That's out now. I get my bum out in it. Uh, so yeah, that happened. Then uh, after like Series Three came around. Thank you. Um, I've got Afterlife on the, the outline for the next thing to talk about. Well, we'll, we'll hit that in a sec. <laughs> but one of the other things that I did that I just finished recently was um, I did Horrible Histories um, oh, I love uh, horrible for histories. Series 9. Now, here's the thing. I remember when I auditioned for that because it was a while ago and I had my final recall and I checked this in the email threads. I landed that job on the 18th of March, 2020. <laughs> uh, I'm just yeah. like nervously laughing because just that finished night, on it now. That was that was the day we went into yeah. lockdown, wasn't it? Oh, near enough. Fun times. A couple of days before that, I had gone up to London. I had done voiceover for How to Sell Drugs Online Fast, and I'd run across Soho to get to this recall audition in an un, I'd like you know an unventilated basement, <laughs> and back on a train and went home. How the fuck did I not catch it? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's madness. Like I, I am. Um, I can say it. Touch wood. Touch wood that <laughs> we're gonna continue. I um, made it through the whole bit without the pandemic, without catching it. So like same same. And touch I wood, touch don't really wood. know how I manage that either because I didn't break any rules. Don't get me wrong, but I live on my own. I was going to the shop nearly every day for food and shit. 
Um, like my best friend lives across the road. We bubbled up right from the beginning. Touch wood, touch wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about Afterlife. That was um, a massively successful program. And you were in it at the beginning as sort of a, just a odd one line, sort not one line, one scene sort of character. And then you got brought back for the second series and you were sort of a series regular. How um, how buzzing were you when you found out that your part was being made massively bigger compared to the the first series? Um, I mean, it it hit me in a big way for two reasons. Um, the first reason was that this doesn't really tend to happen, right? Like yeah. you know, you do like a a bit part where you just stick some recorders up, you know, uh, get a day rate, jobs are good, and and then suddenly it comes back and you're like, you're going to be in all six episodes of like one of the most popular comedy series on Netflix huge mental so so like do get bigger pay bigger more episodes bigger pay more pay oh yes <laughs> tell us how yeah. much i want it down to the pence absolutely I... not <laughs> you know i i find that so weird see when people like start asking people how much they earn and things like i don't like asking people how much they spend on their shopping like it's, it's so invasive i don't like it <laughs> Like, see if some like somebody said to me not long ago. I was I was going back to uni, and it was a close friend. Was like, oh, how much do you get for a student loan? I was like, none of your fucking business. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I just don't like talking about money in general. It's it's a weird thing for me, and I, I think it's a weird thing for all British people, really. We're all very nervous, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> about putting on. We're airs. all hiding something from the tax man. <laughs> So we can't Just for the put... record, I'm not. I love you, HMRC. <laughs> We're all uh, hiding something, so we can't put it all out there in case we get... No, I'm joking. I don't earn any money to be taxed on. So <laughs> We're all good on that behalf. Um, so but yeah, yeah, the second reason was that um, after doing um, the first series of Afterlife, that's basically when my career hit its first major slump. Uh, oh. I was out of work for a long time, like about a year and a half. And during that time, I picked up um, some pizza delivery work. Uh, and it was supposed to be just a stopgap until the next thing came along. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up staying there for a year, um, the, which was far longer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, Absolutely not. It's just, it was, it certainly wasn't where I wanted to be yeah. at that stage in my career. Like, you know, I, I've, the, the, the safety net of bad education had gone. Uh, I'd done a film which was supposed to be a big deal, but ended up like plateauing and not going anywhere. Mm. Um, and... I was I was worried that um like you know you, you have that feeling all the time um working this in it. this profession where you think to yourself right okay someone's tapped you on your shoulder and you said right you've had your fun yeah now now it's time to go back to but this is all happening and like you know I, I enjoyed the work like doing pizza delivery and I feel like I learned a lot because I didn't have the life experiences that I perhaps should have done because I went from school to university to professional acting mm. then there was like no real in between um Does any but... pizza customers clock that it was you and make a deal out of that i did about eighteen thousand deliveries across those across that year and i got recognized three times oh so it was keeping you humble <laughs> uh, well, i had i had a big beard and was wearing a hat like you know i was i was trying to keep as anonymous as possible yeah. do you know not out of any about... sense of like shame but like no. you know more to do with like uh like you're getting a job done and like you're not here for a meet and greet that's it and like you know i've got i've got um like time things to think about like you know i've got to get out and be back otherwise i'm going to affect the kpis and then someone's going to shout at me do you know what <laughs> it's, there's a massive and i think because we've mentioned i said there's nothing wrong with it you mentioned i'm not ashamed of it that's 
something that we really need to get over and it's because of the British press. Because I remember maybe two years ago, there was um, an actress who I really should know her name by now because I've mentioned her a couple of times on this podcast. But I always say, <laughs> I can't remember her name. Um, and she was on EastEnders. And then basically EastEnders, she stopped working there. And the acting work dried up. And she was getting a job as a security guard on something like a B&M. And she was on the front page of The Sun. Even though, like, who's reading that unless they're just wanting something to wipe their ass with? Um, but... Like, I think there's such a, a stigma that the media have created around. I don't think people really understand that we don't have a job like other people do where you're lucky to get a year contract. I think it, I think it tight. It's, it's both, it's, it's, it's six to one half a dozen of the other. I don't think the media help. No. But I also think, and like, you know, this ties into the work I'm doing on TikTok with the demystification process. There seems to be kind of like a legendary aura that you get into a club acting. and you just get money forever like yeah like you know i have i have people ask like oh bad education must have set you up for life no like it's it's contract work like you know it's not and i bet if you, you don't do get royalties millions. you're getting a couple of quid a year yeah like you know this is but it, i think it benefits certain people like you know within the industry perhaps even behind the scenes to maintain this kind of mystique oh, 100%. around around the business when really it's the same as any other business. Like, you know, there are highs, there are lows. Like, essentially, we're all self-employed contractors. Yeah. And any self-employed person will know that sometimes there are good years and sometimes there are fallow years. I don't know anyone that I know has been set up for life. Let me just demystify this, for example. The average pay in one of the best theatres in a London West End show is 600 quid a week for a leading, yeah. for a leading lady or a leading man. That's not a lot of money. Not really. And, and like, especially if you're paying London prices. You're taxed on that. You're paying London prices. You're on the tube every day. You've got to buy food. Like that boils down. That's why a lot of actors are waitering, waitressing during the day. Like a lot of people have like YouTube channels and have become semi sort of famous in their own right through that to sort of subsidize their income. Like I, I don't know how much it is to get paid like on a soap or anything, but for something like the West End, which is massively like a pinnacle of British theatre, you get paid 600 quid a week. And that's one of the top rates. Yeah. I mean, this this is the thing, I think. Like, um, you know, in terms of TV and film as well, like, you know, don't get me wrong, the money's good. Oh, it's good, but, but you're people not... think you're getting paid a million pound an episode. This is the thing. The money's good, but you might only be working for two months a year. Yeah. So like the hourly rate is mental, but also you didn't get paid for 10 months. Yeah. So the like hourly rate really it, is pennies over the year. Yeah. So it, sort of, it balances out to being sort of like, you know, I, I think in all my career, I've only jumped up a tax bracket once. And the oh, rest man. of the time I've been in the lower band. Like it's yeah. yeah. Like we're, we're not multi-millionaires. Well, I'm definitely fucking not. <laughs> I mean, I am, but like, you know, oh. that's just. <laughs> Can I get a lend of a tenner? That's not my that's not my acting. That's my stock portfolio. <laughs> um, so I, I saw this question on TikTok the other day, and it wasn't on yours. And it was just something that I want to like include because I think it's fun. What would you call your memoir when you write one? Oh God. Uh, I just um, think it's like a fun question, isn't it? It is. I mean, what you would could, sum it up? I I I, I like Joe your own way. I draw your own way. I like that. <laughs> um I th- do you know what if, you, if you use that, I want 10%. I, I, what I'd go with, I had a um, the first review 
that was good for bad education that I ever got. And it, there was a thing in there that stuck out to me and I've been using it these 10 years hence to describe basically <laughs> why I get hired. And it was, they described my character as having bewildered innocence. I can see that. So I'm going to go for Ethan Lawrence. Bewildered Innocence, innocence. a memoir. (laughs) I I want it to be like, you know, the books that are like, it's like, this is the cover, just your face. And then the And it's me doing the Joe face. On the forehead, yeah. Maybe (laughs) like one of those hats with like their pigtail on. So I know know this is a podcast, this is an audio medium, but just for anger, I'm going to do the Joe face. Oh. Childhood memory unlocked! (laughs) (laughs) Childhood memory unlocked! What has been your biggest what the fuck moment? Uh, okay, um, let's put it this way. Um, throughout my career, I've been asked to do some very degrading things on camera. Yeah, right. Like you know, and I'm not I'm not talking about like you know soft core. Yeah, I'm talking about getting covered in gunk. I'm you know getting my bum out and whatnot. I think the the weirdest moment I ever had. I was m- making a film called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Yeah, uh, which was based on a Neil Gaiman short story. Uh, and it's basically sum up as punks versus aliens, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, you know it was it was a big deal. Like Nicole Kidman was in it, Elle Fanning was in it, like you know Matt Lucas, and it's being directed by John Cameron Mitchell, who did um, Hedvig and the Angry Inch, and is like you know just a Legend. fantastic director. And um, I will never forget this. I was playing one of the punks. I was in this alien house, and I was being mesmerized by this music. I had um, I had on a prosthetic third nipple. Uh, <laughs> just on my um just on my chest here and my my brief he's showing me it wasn't a prosthetic he's showing me that it was a real third nipple yeah i'm I'm, I'm lifting my top as we speak (laughs) um but uh, um i had that on only fans will be available very soon absolutely just i've just got to make sure i get some real real good angles of this (laughs) Uh, but, um, but so i'm there and my brief for the scene was simply to simulate orgasm uh while tweaking this third nipple um and so uh, my strangest memory i think of acting is being on my knees in an abandoned insane asylum in richmond (laughs) being surrounded by a bunch of people dressed in skin tight latex while i have opened up my boiler suit i'm tweaking my third nipple like screaming like ah ah." and in the background i just hear john cameron mitchell i need more orgasm ethan i need more from you and I'm sat there doing that and I'm like, this is my job. I'm being paid to be here. This is, what is this? Like, <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. Did anyway, you should all go watch the film. It's very good. <laughs> Linked in the show notes. <laughs> oh, you just let me. <sighs> uh, genuinely. And we're back. We just had to take an hour break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like I always tell people, and it's it's so I've said this before. Have you watched Summer Heights High? Yes. I people always ask me, like, because we're gonna play a game in a second called Stage Right or Stage Right. And sometimes I'll like if a particularly good one comes through, I'll I'll show it to my mates or anything. And they'll be like, Is that true? Do things like that actually happen? Like, what's drama school actually like? And I'll be like, you know, Mr. G from Summer Heights High, that's drama school. That's real, that's not an exaggeration. For sure. Like, we do that shit. And genuinely, I just... I think I thrive off of, like, weird acting stories and situations. Like, a lot of them should probably be sent to the police, but, like, (laughs) they're just some of my favourite things in the world. 
and uh, there are some good ones that we've got today so move it like on that note let's play stage right or stage shite so for I, I know you've listened to some of the episodes so you may know what this is but for everyone that's just tuning in for the first time you can submit any crazy drama school stories to an email below in the show notes and these are three stories two of them are the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and one of them is made up by our lovely producer heather and i have the answer in a sealed envelope so we can play along together and we have to find out which one is the lie number sure. one okay my younger brother came to see one of my college shows and he didn't understand theater etiquette in the middle of a tense scene he turned to my dad and said to him i don't know why he doesn't just kill her she's annoying the whole audience started laughing and i lost my place in the play like oh. lines, lines i'm guessing that is not like i don't think the director just grabbed them off <laughs> you're fired for <laughs> this <laughs> number two i once went on a date with a classmate and he just wasn't a gentleman and he was an all-around arsehole so when we were both cast as romeo and juliet next year it was really hard to find the chemistry Ooh, ouch number three i went on an audition for a commercial oh so this is american hello america we're charting in you. Um, and they asked me to keep <laughs> reciting the lines no matter what. So I do that. And all of a sudden, two production assistants started squirting me with cans of squirty cream. I could smell it for four days, regardless of how many showers I took. Whew, okay. I don't um, see all of them happening. I think all of them have happened to me. <laughs> in some way, this is a plea for help. This is autobiographical. <laughs> Heather's just like went through our texts. I don't right, know. Right, you know what? I'm going su to suggest that I think the second one is false. And I will tell you for why. I feel that somewhere in the process, there must have been some kind of like chemistry meeting. Oh, but like, it's a before... classmate. Oh, I guess. So things I never went to drama but, school, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we just went in and you auditioned and you got whatever part you wanted. Well, you got. Um but then again, I would also think that the lecturer may pick up on, like, there's shit going to happen in that class. If you've been on a date and now look, think he's a massive arsehole, something is going to, like, come out in that class about that. So this is lecturer, what I'm thinking. Like, it would be very unobservant of that lecturer to not see that there's, like, drama going on. But, I, I mean, if like... somebody started squirting me with squirty cream, I'd probably throw hands. But I mean, things are mental in the states, like especially mm. for like commercial auditions. Number like... one, I believe, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. That's a kid in a theater just not realizing that it's not a television. <laughs> for sure, I think that's absolutely true. Do you know what? I, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'll go for number two as well. Okay, here we go. This Let's is where we find, find out it's number one. Do you know? <laughs> normally, there's just like it's it's quite difficult because sometimes there's just one that I don't want to be true. Like, sure. Like we had one once, and before we answer, I'll tell you what it was along the lines of, I'm not being verbatim here. Um, we didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. So when my dad came to see me playing Sandy in Greece at school, he bought me a single red rose, which I was absolutely over the moon with. But what my dad didn't realize was that it was one of the Valentine's roses and had a red lacy thong in the middle. <laughs> like one of my favorite stories of all time. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. Drive off of like cringe and embarrassment. And <laughs> we were right. Number two. Woo! Get him! Um, yeah, like surely they would understand. Like they would be like, oh, I see that you two don't get along. I, ju I, ju I just felt that it would be a very unobservant lecturer who yeah. couldn't sense the drama. I mean, I had to work with some people I didn't like once. So it could have been true. 
I didn't even think well, about it. Well, the, the point is we, we got it right. We did. <laughs> ding, ding, we ding. What do, what do, I was going to say, what do we win? But it's my game. We win nothing. We win nothing. Oh, okay. That's if you're shame. ever in Glasgow, I'll buy you a drink. I was hoping to expand my stock portfolio. <laughs> Here is um, some of Apple. You can just have... Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, but we come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I've had genuinely such a great time chatting with you. Um, and like I said, oh, my pleasure. If you are ever in Glasgow, let me know. You've got me on Instagram now. You know, I'll, I'll stand you a first round. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, so my unified social media is at Ethan D. Lawrence, pretty much everywhere. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. That's on TikTok. My Instagram's useless. My Twitter's bad. And my TikTok is basically what I'm dedicating all my time to at the minute. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I love that, though, that you've got the same username on everything, because it really annoys me when people have different usernames. Like It's, it's a luck thing, though. It's very much a luck thing. Well, no, I it's not really, because I changed. I had I used to call myself Fat Ingram, right? And like, <laughs> it was sort of a way because I used to get called a fat cunt all the time, and it was sort of a way for me just to reclaim the name. And I was like, "Yeah, my name is Fat Ingram." Um, so my username on everything was Fat Ingram, and then it comes to the point where I could change it on Instagram, so it just went to Ingram Noble. I could change it on Twitter, but I couldn't change it on Snapchat, so I just deleted Snapchat and made an entirely new account, just Ingram Noble. Excellent. I'm really annoyed though. Because I can't just get Ingram on its own because some random man in America that has three followers has it and has no See, content this is the on problem. his page. This is why I had to go with Ethan D. Lawrence. That's why I had to include my middle name because Ethan Lawrence was gone and it's still there. And I think it's got six followers and it hasn't tweeted since like maybe 2008. But do you know what I like find hilarious? And I, like, if only we were famous enough, like there's people that can literally just go on like, so for a new account like so when tiktok first started happening i remember somebody saying that they had just went and created loads of multiple accounts like under the name taylor swift ariana grande and their teams just contacted tiktok and had them taken off them wow oh i thought that okay no money at all well people were like yeah i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get taylor swift on tiktok and then sell it to her no they just went through tiktok and tiktok took it off them and banned their accounts great Great. Impersonating a celebrity, apparently. Uh, well, I'm, I'm fortunate that no one's going to try and impersonate me. So that's, <laughs> I had that's... someone. I had somebody trying to pretend to be me, and I don't know who it was. But I was really hoping I was going to get a blue tick on Instagram out of it, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just think my content's too niche for people to parody. I've like, got it's... 300 followers. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not getting a blue tick anytime soon. Oh, dear. <laughs> but somebody, like, it was this really, I woke up one morning, and, like, there was this new Instagram. They followed me. Right, which now that's curious. Why would they do that? Yeah, if you're trying to pretend to be me, don't alert me that you're doing it. <laughs> but they had like made really shitty versions of my podcast art and put like really? Helen Mirren on it and announced that Helen Mirren <laughs> was going to be on my podcast. There was like loads of actors that have I've been in contact with and they have said no. Like, but they had announced like episode 35 with Helen Mirren is out now, and I was like, what the fuck. They were backing you. They were really trying to push for you. But I was like, don't do that. Because, <laughs> I mean, my guest for episode 35 was really lovely, but they're not Heron Millen. <laughs> Helen Mirren. But then, but then who is? <laughs> I mean, nobody. But like, I was like, <laughs> you're really just setting me up for failure there. Like, to be honest, it was a really cool guest. It was um, Blaine Weaver, who was the Peter Pan in the, not the original, the sequel Disney movie. So Peter Pan 2, he voiced him and he's like, Disney's resident Peter Pan. So I like fangirled anyway. So, but they were like, yeah, Helen Mirren is on drama school dropout now. And I was like, no, she isn't. Not yet. Anyway. 
I asked. <laughs> but I was also like, they started getting eerily close for the three days that it was up. They started getting, like, I had some guests that I was, like, trying to keep secret and my mum didn't even know about them. And they were getting eerily close. And I was like, now they're just, like, starting to spoil this for me. <laughs> like, because I was like, I, who was it that I had? I had Lorraine Stanley from EastEnders, who I'm a massive fan of and have followed for years. And they were, like, putting up pictures of her on-screen daughter, like, saying that she was coming right. up. And I was like, I've like I edit this podcast myself. I do everything myself from getting the guests to like you. Well, I I got you like it came through Instagram and things. Like I don't sure. have any help. The only help is that game so that I can play along with it. And I was like, you're starting to like spoil it now. Like so, I was like DMing them. I was like, fucking leave me alone. <laughs> Get out of it. <laughs> it was just they got eerily close to like actually the guests that I had because and I was like how are they getting this because nobody else knows like unless they've got into my email like nobody Ooh, else knows change your password I, I, I did and then I, <laughs> and then I was like tweeting Instagram and I was like can I get a blue tick because people are pretending to be me <laughs> and Instagram were like no nah you're alright <laughs> um, but I also want to quickly mention as well, obviously um, the pandemic has been massively hard on actors and all of us alike. So I always ask that um, if people are out there, um, if you are in a position, please donate to the Actors Fund. We'd all appreciate it, even though I'm getting no money out of it. So I don't know why I'm saying I'd appreciate it because I'm getting fuck all. Um, but if you want to support us more frequently, you can follow us both on Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz, retweet our shit. And uh, Ethan is one of those people that are on Cameo. One of those people. That was like an insult. One of those people. One of those people that are on... Cashing uh, yeah. in his meager fame for... <laughs> Ethan is on Cameo, and uh, if you pay him, he'll say some lines from Bad Education, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, like it's, I've got a Cameo. I've also got a Celeb VM. It's like 15 quid, and you get an individualized, bespoke, personalized message from me. Um, yeah, you know, you, I put a lot of time into them because... Much better than I. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, like, I, I, do, I, do kind of treat it like a, I do try and treat it like a tip jar. Like, yeah, you know, I try to keep my prices low and competitive because, like, you know, God knows during the Caitlin pandemic Jenner's we watched a, a lot of stuff on the telly. Like, you know, so if you have enjoyed Bad Education, if you have enjoyed Arthur, Did you get like, an influx of new people that had maybe never seen Bad Education come from, uh, like, into your Instagram? <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Did you find that a lot of new people had watched it for the first time over the pandemic? Um, to be honest with you, I found that out through TikTok more than anything else, because I only started my TikTok in April. Mm. and I, I you know no one talks about bad education to me on uh twitter or instagram like you know it's it's dead it's gone yeah uh but then tiktok seemingly there was just this huge resurgence of people just still watching it and everything like that and it's really like gratifying to see yeah it makes me very happy um but yeah so it's it's i'm i'm glad people are still watching it and enjoying it or sleeping think... through it in your case i <laughs> look like a dick um <laughs> one of my favorite things to do right and it's really weird and it, nobody else gets any pleasure out of it apart from me i scroll through cameo and just look at how ridiculously priced some people are oh yeah for a 20 second like caitlin jenner's a thousand dollars thousand dollars thousand dollars and somebody wow. has bought one somebody has bought one Oh, people will, though. People will. Only one person has. It's insane. But she was on Cameo for a long time with no orders, and then all of a sudden it popped up, one that she had done. I was like, who's paying a £1,000 to hear Caitlyn Jenner? I think I'd pay a £1,000 to hear Caitlyn Jenner not speak. 
Well, you could do that, I suppose. You could, you could ask she, for a cameo that's just her sitting there in silence. She's, <laughs> could you imagine? She's running for um, governor of California, isn't she? Which is just fucking stupid. Did we not learn lessons from the fucking orange man in the White House? Did we not learn lessons from Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's always been thus. I mean, can we learn lessons from Boris Johnson? Maybe not repeat that again? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, he I, makes I, me very cross. <laughs> Um, but I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I hope that um, you and your family all make it through the rest of this shitey pandemic. Also. Thank you very much. And uh, best, of, uh, best of luck and much love to you, you and yours. Of course. Yes, thank you so much. And if you're ever in Glasgow, uh, what, are you in London? Uh, Essex. Essex. Right. Well, if I'm ever in London, I'll, I'll see if you're free and I'll stand the first round. Maybe not. In I'm London, not too far. I can Because it's expensive no in London. Maybe I might make a split the bill there. <laughs> if, if you're ever in Glasgow, you know where to find me, and I, I know the places that I can get cheap vodka. That good, oh yeah, places, good places that you can get cheap vodka. Good place, cheap vodka, love it. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode forty-six completed. We are getting so close now to fifty episodes i genuinely flabbergasted didn't think we'd make it to episode 10 and here we are nearly at the big five zero and we're even closer to our one year anniversary how has it been a year i don't know but we will be celebrating on the 1st of december we're changing it from a tuesday to a wednesday so we can celebrate on our one year anniversary and that is going to be epic so make sure you are following me on social media so you can keep up to date with everything that will be going on over at drama school dropout headquarters thank you so much to ethan for coming on the podcast this week i had such a great time one of the best guests i've ever had on and make sure to follow us both on social media which you'll find down in the show notes below and as per usual if you're feeling extra generous please leave a rating and a review on the podcast it helps us out so much you wouldn't even know and it's free so why not do it and like normal if you have a story for stage right or stage right please share it with us email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com or check out our brand new website www.dramaschooldropout.com I have been Ingram Noble. I've been chatting with Ethan Lawrence from Bad Education and Afterlife, and I will be back again next Tuesday with a brand spanking new episode, and I'll be chatting to an actress who has been known to have been a little bit shameless in her time. So make sure to come back next Tuesday at 6am, brand new time of 6am, and check out our brand new episode. Have a lovely week, stay safe, and you will all hear me again next week. Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, thought your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout.